I haven't watched that in so long. That was really fun, man. Just for me, especially, I mean, to, to look back, at that really quick shot when we were on the stage, that was Ashlyn, that little baby that I was holding, my six-year-old now. And um, to see that team come across on that stage who were listening to God and saying, we will do whatever you ask us to do. You, you're God, we're not. You created us. You know the plans you have for us. We surrender our plans wholeheartedly, and we will do anything that you ask us to do. And I'm telling you, we're just seeing that team up there, and just, wow. That was, it was pretty emotional for me, actually, to remember what it was like to go for it. And just to, to recklessly, and that's why we put it in our DNA. We want to, it is in our DNA, and we never want to stop. Having that type of faith that says, God, we will do whatever you want us to do. And so two years ago when we did this campaign, and it was true, it wasn't about the money at all. What we wanted everybody to do was just sit before God and give everybody a chance to have reckless faith again, which is just a chance to sit before him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And, and again, if you, if you weren't, haven't been around or whatever, it, it, we were a two-year-old church, and at that point, $5.1 million was pledged to be able to expand this location and spread out. And at this point, we've right around $2 million has come in. And what's so cool about that is uh, we doubled this place right here by expanding into this white warehouse. And what we thought we were going to do, and we looked, man, we looked all over the place. We looked for buildings, and, and if you found a place that was big enough, they didn't have parking lots that were big enough. And they're just, you know, being enclaved by these mountains kind of inhibits the, the, the chance to find properties up in this northern location. But the fact that God provided this other white warehouse for us and that there are 450 seats in here and now 450 seats in there and we were able to double our seating capacity. And the coolest thing is because people faith, faithfully gave, every penny has been paid for. It's all been paid for with cash. Now, isn't that cool? I mean, that is. That's, that's a really, really cool thing to celebrate. It's awesome for us. And so, so that's happened. We, we, we love this place, um, it, and, and we'll share this in a little bit. It's kind of working as an incubator right now as a, as a team is over there getting ready to move south, and that's the next thing we're going to do. And we're not just going to move south, you guys. We're going north. We're going west. We're going southeast. We're going, you know, we'll go anywhere, and we'll go everywhere that we feel like God is asking us to go. And so, um, so the next step for us is, is what? What do we need to do? As we move into this thing. And I want to give an invitation because I know a lot of you were not around two years ago. When we did this whole Discover More thing, in fact, we did these back in, in, uh, at Kensington, our church in Detroit, and people came in afterwards totally committed to our church, and we never even gave them an opportunity to jump on the adventure that the rest of us have been on. And so, what I really want to do is just, uh, I want to encourage every single one of you who've come since 2006. Um, to possibly go on the same journey that we went through. If you find this place to be your home, if this is where you're living out your faith and the place where you're connecting, then I just want to encourage you to think about, could I be a part of this Discover More deal? And, and, and here's the deal. It's not, again, about the money. It is financial, for sure, because it takes finances to do anything. But what I want you to, to encourage you to do is this, is... To consider, well, two things. One is you can grab a packet right outside. Um, we have packets that we, that we produced before that will have a lot of the information of what we're doing. And we also are going to have a Discover More meeting. 
uh, on next Monday, the 26th of January, right in the white lobby. And that's just a chance, if you'd like to come and just hear the vision in more detail, to ask questions, to consider doing this. But I, I really want to encourage you, would you consider believing, and, I, and we're going to get into this with a message, but believing that the mission that God has is worth being a part of. And just sitting before him and saying, God, what do, what do you want me to do? I will do anything. What? Hold on. Are you guys actually here? That is so hilarious. You guys, Luther and Rebecca Ellis are here. Can you guys give them a, a warm welcome? So, I had no idea you guys were even here. And here we are talking about you guys sending us out. That is really, really good timing. That was good. You must be walking in the spirit or something. Um, but anyway, I just want to encourage you to consider sitting before God in your own prayer time and doing what we did back when we were in Michigan, saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Okay, move to Salt Lake. I'll do anything you want me to do. Okay, God, and two years ago, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to use the resources that you've given me to continue to enhance the mission that you have for us? And I believe, you guys, you will discover more. I, I, I think many of us have. We've discovered more. You discover more of what your heart beats for. There's a whole message series on this that you can listen to. You discover what God's heart beats for. I believe you discover what you were made for. And so I want to really encourage you, grab a packet or, or go out there uh, and meet us on January 26th, and we, we'd love to have you do that. Um, and what's interesting, because as a church, when we, were, when we were establishing K2, that's what we said. We said, God, what do you want us to do? And we believe with all of our heart that he has said to us, you're supposed to walk south, K2. You're supposed to take another step. Continue the mission that I gave you to plant multiplying churches because I am seeking after people. Now, here you go. So why are we, why are we doing this um, the South thing, and, uh, and that's the message today. I want to reveal to you why it's in our mission, why it's in our vision, why it's in our DNA, and why we're moving forward. And um, the Bible, right here, for us, is what we base everything that we do. We really do believe that it is the revelation of God to us. And, and that's really critical, as we talk about all the time, because it is very, well, it's very human, every one of us. It's very human to try to figure out who God is. It's what we're all kind of doing, I think, if you believe there is one. And, but we just find it very dangerous, actually, to place our own ideas on God and say, we think this is what he's like. And instead, what we want to do is, have you revealed yourself to us so that we can actually know who you are? And one of the things you find out about God from the very beginning, in this book, from the beginning to the end, is once sin entered into creation and separated his people from himself, he has been on a mission. Our God is not a God who just sits up in heaven and waits for you to do enough good things for him so he might like you. No, our God is a God who says, I am coming after you. And what he's doing is he's trying to redeem, which I know is a very churchy word, but it means literally to take back what was rightfully his and bring it back to himself. And that's what the whole Bible is. It's a story of God saying, I'm coming. 
I'm on mission to bring you back and to restore us into relationship, to reconcile us back together. You were so not meant to live on this planet by yourself. And I'm not talking just, you know, you got friends and family that you're here with, but God is saying you were meant to be on this planet in relationship with me, with me. And man, you read the Bible and God is saying, I'll do everything I got to do to bring you back to myself because that's life. I'm life and you need to be brought back into it. Isaiah 14, 26 and 27, God is saying, he says, I have a plan for the whole earth. For my mighty power reaches throughout the world. The Lord Almighty has spoken, and who can change his plans? Nobody. So what's his plan? Jesus Christ was his plan. It's the ultimate plan. It is the greatest moment in history, celebrating the birth of God incarnated into the flesh to come as a savior of the world. Look at these verses. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this. Here is a trustworthy statement. I always love it when the Bible says, got this one? There's lots of stuff in the Bible. Here's a trustworthy statement. Grab this one. It deserves full acceptance. Full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. Luke 19.10, Jesus Christ himself is speaking, and he says, for the Son of Man, talking about himself, he came to seek and to save with that which was lost. See, Jesus Christ, as, as, as Christ, God incarnate, what he showed us was that God is on mission and he's going to redeem. I'm coming to save, to buy back, to bring you back into relationship. I'm going to take care of everything that needs to be done to get rid of the enmity that's between man and God. I'm going to be able to forgive you of all of your sin. I'm going to be able to restore you to myself. And we're going to be reconciled. So what did he do? He left He left his glory. He left perfection. And he said, I'm coming down into your mess. And one of the wild things in the book of John, Jesus identifies himself 40 times, which is an interesting number in the Bible, 40 times he identifies himself as one who was sent. The Father sent me. I'm sent. In other words, the Father, and I've submitted to him, has put me on a mission. I have left my glory. I've come down. And as you, if you were here for Christmas, we talked, what did he do? He's born into a peasant's family, into a feeding trough, putting himself out to shepherds. He came, he lived, and while he was here, what did he do? He only exemplified for us what love really is. Every single person mattering to God, to Jesus Christ, watching him touch and heal and minister to anybody and everybody. And then he dies on the cross takes the punishment of sin because sin separating you from God will result in death. If God is life and you are separated from him, then that's called death. And so Jesus comes in and says, that's, your, that's what you're earning. The wages, the Bible tells us, for sin is death. It's what you earn. And so Jesus comes and what does he do? He dies. The only one who has never done anything wrong dies so that you don't have to. And then, because there's no sin in him, what does he do? He rises from the dead. I mean, this is, this is, this is the story. And then he rises from the dead. Why? The scripture tells us, so that you can live a new life. He says, if you receive me, a Holy Spirit of God will come into your being. And now you, now you, the body of 
Christ. Because I live, he's alive, you guys, today. Right now, today, January 18th, 2009, Jesus Christ is alive. And he's living in any one of us in this room who by faith have received Christ into our life. And he lives in us, why? And then John 20, 21 and 22 says this. Jesus said, peace be with you. Oh, okay, I like peace. Anybody else like peace? Oh, peace be with you. Why? Because as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Peace be with you. Just chill and relax and wait till you get to heaven. No, isn't that sound like peaceful? Isn't peace like a lounge chair? Isn't peace, you know, with a remote control on a Sunday afternoon watching the NFC and AFC playoffs? Isn't that what it is? That's peace. No, you know what he says? Peace be with you because just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You're on mission. You're on mission. Did you know that? All of you who, who would stand up and say, I'm a Christian. Did you know if you're a Christian that you're on mission? Because God's on mission. He's always on mission. Jesus Christ was always on mission. If he's living inside your heart, then he's living inside you to be on mission. To be new, to live like him, and to do what he did. Now, how does this work? Because I, I just want, can we just stop? Maybe we should just stop for a second here. Okay. Deep breaths, everybody. First quarter's over. Stop for a second. And you know what's so cool? If you're not a, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, if, you've, if you're one of the glorious people here that we love so much, that are just checking this whole thing out and you're not sure yet, um, what's cool today is you're kind of getting, a, getting an inside message here. You're kind of getting an inside scoop of what we're all about. And if you're sitting there and saying, why do these people, why won't they leave me alone? Maybe, maybe this is why. Okay, so now you can understand why we do what we do. If you are sitting here today and you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay. Really? Really? He lives inside me. Really? Really? See, because if he really lives, if he's really living inside you, did you know you're on mission? You're on mission. And so what we need to do here is, is, is just check real quick, is how you're living matching how Jesus lived? If you could look at your life at your school, are you on mission at your school? You see, every person in that school is someone that God loves with all his heart. Tomorrow morning, get up early, head into your workplace. Are you on mission at your workplace? Or are you just trying to save your job right now? Are you on mission? Do you see every person that you work with as someone that God loves with all of his heart? And that he died for, to redeem and to restore and reconcile so that he could live inside him and give him eternal life. So I just want to pray, actually. I think I, this would be a good point to pray. Um, and I, I would love for you all to pray with me. Because this is, again, as we always say, man, we do never want to just come to church, you know, and do the, Ameri Ooh, the American institutional church thing. Just, ugh, you know. Again, a church with reckless faith. I do whatever you ask me to do. A church that's out there. 
that's out there drawing people into an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the kind of place we want to be. And so if you're like, hey, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, okay, just don't follow me, okay? Don't watch how I live my life. If that's you today, could we pray right now? Would you pray right now? And as I kind of dive into this one passage to help us to see how we do this, why do we do this, and how can we actually live this way? Because um, I know this. When I am living for myself, which we'll get into in a second here, um, I need God. I need him. I need him to, like, uh, uh, I need him to, I have all these words I'm not supposed to say in church. So I, have, I need God to come and just kick me. I need him to pour his grace on me, which means to empower me to do something that I can't do by myself. Because I'm telling you, uh, in me, there's a whole lot of just self. And I, if you're like me and you're not on mission all the time, what we could do today is not just go to church. We could right now pray to the living God and say, God, would you help me? Because I'm not on mission. And if I'm not on mission, you're not really living very powerfully in me right now. And I, I just want to confess that to you. And I want to ask you this morning, this morning, to reveal something to me about myself. Kick me, change me, kickstart me, jolt me, put the pads on my chest, you know, and bring me new life again today. So I walk out of here different than I came in. Wouldn't that be cool? Great. You and me, the rest of you can go home. No, just kidding. Let's pray. Father, um, we are here today. Most of us are here today because at some point you made yourself real to us. Somebody, somebody, we ran into somebody who was on mission and they had the courage and the love for us enough to share with us about you. It's the only reason we're here. It's because somebody was on mission. So Lord, we just want to open our hearts to you and say, would you look at our hearts, God, and See if we really are followers of Jesus. Do we, are you really living inside us, Jesus, you who are on mission? And if we're not, would you help us to see why? And God, I know right now, we need you to open the eyes of our heart. We need you to show us what's going on inside. And I just pray that you'd help us. God, in this, in this next few minutes, would you please Meet us here. Engage with us. In the name of Jesus Christ as our risen Savior who's interceding for us right now. I pray that you would not let this be church in the American institutional way, but that we will have worshipped you and met you and been touched by you and changed by you. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so how does this work? How in the world can we be a church with actual reckless faith? How can we be people who are really out there and don't just say it, um, but actually live it? Well, here we go. I want to walk you through 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 14. It says this. For Christ's love compels us <laughs> because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him 
who died for them and was raised again. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though, this is amazing to me, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Christ's love compels us. You know what that word means? Um, To compel us, it means to constrain us. It means to, it won't let us go, (laughs) is what it means. It means once you've got Christ's love, if you really have his love inside you, it just grabs you and you just can't help it. And so what he says is it compels us. And I, I was thinking, I have a favorite passage for me that helps me to understand what God's love is like. This is not on the screen. It's Romans 5, though, and it says this. Hope doesn't disappoint us because God, you guys check this out, he has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he gave us. So here's Jesus saying, great, I'm done. Whew, that was a tough one, but I'm victorious. Now I'm going to breathe on you. You now receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, what does he say? He says, I pour out my love into your heart through the Holy Spirit whom I've given you. And then he goes on to say what this love is like. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He goes, let me, let me just show you what my love is like. I love people who don't love me, <laughs> is what God is saying. I love people who are sinners and who are ungodly and who are powerless. And let me, let me demonstrate my love for you. That when that was going on, I died for you. And then, what did verse 5 say? And I pour that love into your heart. I'm on mission because I love the world, right? John 3, 16, God so loved the world. And I poured that love into your hearts. And so what should happen is we should love the world, right? That's what should happen if he's poured his love into our hearts. And so, and once you get the love of God, really, once you receive the Holy Spirit inside your heart, there will be a love that accompanies that. And the first thing, you guys, is why does it compel us or constrain us or hold us fast? It's because once you realize God loved you, (laughs) when you were a sinner and when you were ungodly and when you were powerless and when you were his enemy and he died and paid your punishment that you deserved, once you realize that, you're like, Thank you, Jesus. I mean, anybody there? Okay. All right, good. Um, Because I'm telling you, if you're not there, then maybe one of the things you need to do is take a walk with him again and remember your life that he saved you from. I'm talking to Christians again here. Remember the life that he has saved you from. He loves you. And that compels us. It constrains us. Because once you've been loved... If you love anybody else, then you want to go out. And that's the second thing. You start to have love for others. John 15, 13 says, Greater love is no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his friends. 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And, and, and so, what part, partly here is this, is if you find yourself not on mission, when you go to work, if you don't even think about the people around you, if you don't pray for the people in your sphere of influence, if you're at school and it's all about you and you're just, it's whatever, I would say then, you know, I can, I'm, I'm in here with all of you. When we live like that, we have a love problem. We have a love problem. Because obviously his love isn't compelling us to be on mission. And so first and foremost, maybe you are struggling to believe he loves you. I know I do all the time. I hate that, but I do. If I'm not loving people, it's probably first, right? Because he said that, right? You only love because he first loved. If you're struggling to love anybody around you and it's not compelling you, then maybe the first thing you need to do is say, do I really believe God loves me? Do I really believe that he's crazy about me? Do I really believe that he is for me and not against me? And you just need to go back and maybe take a long walk and remember your history, open up his word and see what he says about you. And then secondly, if you are someone who says, oh, I just, I love him. I love him because he loves me. But then you look at your life really actually and you're not actually loving other people. Okay, somehow it's not compelling you. Somehow it's not constraining you. And I know for me, one of the things I'm learning is then I simply, one of the things I simply need to do is on a regular basis, confess that as sin. He who knows what is right and doesn't do it, sins. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your being and love people as you love yourself. And if you're not loving people, that would be sin. Sin is other things, but ultimately it simply is the lack of love. It's living for you instead of others. So I'm just realizing one of the things I got to do is just almost daily sit before I go to bed and go, okay, God, where didn't I love today? Where was I all about me instead of somebody else? And get it out. You know what happens when you confess your sin? He's faithful and just to forgive it and to cleanse it. And what I'm realizing is when I get it out, God can touch it with his grace. Grace touches truth. So if you're not a good lover of people today, then maybe that's one of the things you need to do is just confess that to God and let him touch you with his grace so he can transform you. All right? That's the first thing. How does this work? How do we be a church on mission? You got to have his love compelling you. It needs to constrain you. The second thing is we need to realize is this. He died for all. He died for all. So what does that mean? This is verse 15. He died for all. That means there is not one person on this planet that God didn't die for. There's not one relative, one neighbor, one coworker, one friend, one schoolmate. There isn't one person that you know who God didn't say, that person matters to me, and I love him with all my heart. And then after that, he says, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I remember, I was telling somebody just this last week, I, I, re, I have a crappy memory, but I remember the day, standing in the shower one morning, 2 Corinthians 5.15 just hit me and wouldn't leave me alone. David, he died for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So that you would be free from yourself. 
Oh, the flesh hates that. I'm serious, man. When I get the flesh inside me goes, ooh, just hates it. And my soul goes, really? Would you really set me free from this monster that makes me wake up every morning towards the kids? That makes me want to come home and just want to live for me instead of Susie? That, you know, comes to church and just wants to come in. And, and, and we all talk about this as staff. There are times as staff, man, we, we're staff. And there's times when we come to K2 and we're like, man, I just want to get in here and get out of here. Would you save me from that? Where instead I would live for you? See, now if you live for Jesus, what's that mean? Man, we got to work on the script. What's that mean? He is on mission to love every single human being. And so if I, he died for me, so I wouldn't live for me, I'd live for him. And Jesus lives for every human being. He's on mission to love them. And I, and I just remember, you guys, it was so weird to think about this, that for me personally, I was 19 in college when I really gave my life to Christ. And I remember just thinking back to that time period. And you know what's really weird? Is once Jesus gets inside your heart, really? And this is where you might even want to check if you're a Christian. I, I think I need to say that. You may have said a prayer one time. And then even after saying that prayer, nothing ever changed in your life, ever. Still totally live for you. Don't love him. Love you. Go to church all the time, though, because that's what you're supposed to do. No. Once you've really received Christ, verse 17 says, you are a new creation. And the old is gone. And the new has come. What's the new? I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside me. And it was just weird. I was thinking back like, holy crap. I started thinking about people. And I didn't want to think about people. But I couldn't help thinking about people. See, that's what happens. It doesn't mean like all of a sudden, whoo, all self is gone. And I just love everybody now. No. See, because we live in this body and this flesh. And the flesh bugs us all the time. There's still this constant battle. But finally, there's a battle. That's the, that's the beautiful thing, is I can't just sit there and think about me. Oh, I can, and I do, but not for long without being bugged about it. You guys know, you've been there? Have you ever been there? If you haven't been there, you don't know Jesus. I can tell you that point blank right now. If you can live for yourself and not live for other people, and it doesn't bug you, you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside you. I can tell you that right now, because if he's in you, you're a new creation, and you can be as selfish as you want as a Christian, but you can't enjoy it anymore. It's such a bummer. <laughs> and it's so freeing. He died for you so you wouldn't live for yourself, but for him. And then there's two things that are true about us. In verse 18 and 19 says this. All of this is from God. He reconciled us to himself. See, he did this. This is why it's so important to understand. You don't go to God and get really good and do a bunch of good things and then have him say, well done, way to work for me. No, all of this was from God. He did the work. He did the work. You're saved by grace, not by works, so that nobody can boast. All of this was from God. 
All of it. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then what did he do? He gave us in here the ministry of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's. Oh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Got this? Catch this? We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What does this mean? It means this. Number one, if you, again, if you're a Christian today, if you came in and said, I'm a Christian Did you know that then you, God himself, said, great, 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 great. I commit to you the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, you you, you received my spirit? Awesome. Guess what? Now that I'm in you, you have the message of reconciliation. Oh, the beautiful feet of those who bring good news. Because how will anyone ever believe unless they hear? And how will anyone hear? unless somebody tells them, and how will anybody tell them unless somebody sends them? Oh, yeah. By the way, just as the Father sent me, I send you. You and I have the message and the ministry of reconciliation. And then here's the the cool, did you guys know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you are an ambassador. You are. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is an official representative to another country or land. So while the Bible tells us that we are actually citizens of heaven, right? That's actually where our home is. We're just passing through, kind of, whew, thank you, Jesus. This this isn't the end. We get home someday, and we realize, what was I doing? This isn't my home. But I'm an ambassador from heaven for God, just as if God himself were making his appeal through us. That's what we are. That's amazing to me. It is who we are. And we do it out of love. Because again, you guys, I was thinking of other things that I'm an ambassador for. You know, like that's what good advertising is, right? I mean, if you go, you know, we all put out flyers and people do advertisements on, you know, TV and all that kind of stuff. But man, if somebody comes to you, has a personal experience with something, and then tells you, you need to go, doesn't that weigh a whole lot more? Than the, than the advertisement you saw on TV. I was a per, I'm, I'm a personal ambassador for Jerusalem. I didn't realize it. Went out to dinner with some people on Friday. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? Two. Okay. On another time, I'll get into this, why you should go to Jerusalem. But I mean, it's the most unbelievable experience to be in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus sweat like drops of blood and there made the decision, right there, to love me to death, Literally. It's unbelievable. So I'm an ambassador for Jerusalem. You, you want to go? I'll, I'll, I'll get you there. I, I'm, I'm an ambassador for the Milby North Trail. Anybody been on the Milby North Trail? Okay, a few more of you than Jerusalem. Good. Um, seriously, if you ever want an amazing hike, Susie and I were <laughs> booking and booking and booking. All of a sudden, we turn around. We're like, I mean, I just couldn't even move. How beautiful it is. I'm an ambassador for the Don Juan roll at Tsunami. Anybody been there? How many of you eaten at Tsunami? Oh, come on. All right. Man, you guys don't, you, none of you are living. 
You haven't had Don Juan, you don't hike the Milby North, and you haven't been to Jerusalem. I'm telling you. But, I, but when you meet somebody, and they've tasted something, and they've experienced it, what you want to do is you just want to go tell everybody, especially anybody that you actually care, right? If you care for somebody, you go, you got to do these things. you got to experience this. you got to taste this. Because greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his brother. And once you've tasted Jesus Christ, and you don't want anybody else to know, no, I don't want anybody else to know. Are you kidding me? Do you know him? Really? Or, or are you an American institutional churchgoer? Completely different experience. Because once you've known him, you just want to tell everybody. And, you, and you, why do you want to do it? Because the one who died for you said, go. And you're like, dude, I would have no life if it wasn't for you. Because I love you and because I worship you, I will go. And why else would you do it? Because you care about people. You do. You care about the people that you work with. You care about your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends and your classmates. And if you love them, then you would tell them. Because love compels us and it constrains us. So there you go. This is why we're doing it. This is why we're going south, you guys. Now, why south? Okay, let's keep going here. Why? First of all, because if Jesus is living in me, then I got to be on mission. If he's living in you, you need to be on mission. And then we come together. And what are we? We are the church, which is called the body of Christ. And if we are the body of Christ, then the church will be on mission. And so we got to do this. This is why we're doing this. It's Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Holy crow, power? And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love what he says here. He's just telling us the truth. When you receive my spirit, now I'm living in you, guess what? Now you're going to have a divine power, and guess what you're going to be? You will be my witnesses. He doesn't say, go witness. He doesn't say, hey, I got an option for you. He goes, no, if I'm living in you, you're going to be my witnesses. Where? Right where you live, and next door, and the next county around you, and all the way to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witness in Sugar House. You're going to be my witness in the southern part of this valley. You're going to be my witness in Provo, and Ogden, and St. George, and Idaho Falls. And you're going to be my witness in Honduras, and Russia, and New Orleans. You're going to be that. That's just, okay, y'all get on that? Okay, because that's just what you are. And if you're sitting there going, did I sign up for that? Yes, you did. And if he's living inside you, you are hearing this right now and you're going, I know it. What have I been doing? What am I living for? Matthew 18, 28, 19, and 20. At the very end, Jesus says, come on, therefore, go and make disciples of what? All nations. Thank you. Of all nations. You'll receive power. You know what, Jesus, what that means is you'll walk. New Testament talks all the time, is you'll just walk. You'll do that. And you'll walk into your workplace, and you'll walk into your school, you'll walk into your family, you'll walk wherever he asks you to go. And K2 is going south. So here's what that means for us. We know that we're going to plant churches, and we know that we're going to plant campuses. Those are different things for us. A campus is what we're going to do down south. And uh, what a campus is, is it will be K2 the church. You know what the white warehouse is? 
Everybody follow me. This is hard. Um, the campus at the White Warehouse is really a campus. There's a whole other service going on there. Whole other band, whole other speaker, whole other connections team, whole other tech crew. There's a campus right across the parking lot. That's exactly what's going to happen down south. It's going to be the same teachers. It's going to be the same message that's going on there will be here. It will be K2, the church, south. Got that? Okay. The other thing we're going to do is plant churches. And what that means is sometime God is going to bring us somebody that he's called to plant a church in Salt Lake City. And they're going to have their own vision and their own dream and their own plan. And they're going to want to come here and start something. And we're going to bring them in and help them to be a part of this place, this community. And then we're going to send them out. You know what's so amazing? This God is so crazy. I got an email this morning, not until I went to my office at 8.30 this morning. Got a new email at 8.30. Ten days ago, there was a guy who had planted a church in Ohio in a, in a town of 2,800 people. And his church has 1,400 in a town of 28. God asked him to leave that church and to go to somewhere in the Mountain West region. And he thought it was Denver until he met me. <laughs> nah, kidding. I'm kidding. But you know what's wild? Is he came out and he spent three days here and he spent three days in Denver and he prayed for two more days by himself. He just emailed me. He and his wife know for sure they're supposed to come to Salt Lake City and plant a church. Now, there's 1.8 million here. So that means if he does what he did back there, his church will be around 900,000 people. Not bad. No, just kidding. But I mean, I, I, and we don't know for sure if he'll be, if he'll, we, now we have to just investigate. But that's so exciting to think that God is calling people to come and maybe we could be a part of that and we want to be a part of that. Now to campus, we need three things. We need people, right? You got to have people to do it. Can I just ask all of you who are going to go in south, uh, in here, would you go ahead and stand up if you're in here and you know you're going to be part of the south team? Okay, it's working. All right, there's two. Awesome. That's what, actually, that's very cool because you know where they all are? They're over there. And it was so cool in talking with Andy because they were all going to come because the whole band, the tech crew, the connections team, all of them are going south. And you guys, it's so exciting. We have people. We have 150 people already totally on gear, ready to go. We have a staff. We've got Andy. We've got Brad for arts. We've got Gwen who's kicking it out in elementary who's going to really help make that happen down in the south side. We have people. I mean, we're like finger on the trigger because God's given us the right people. Then you know what we need? We need finances. We need cash. Right now, we probably have about a quarter of a million dollars to move towards this, and we need more. And that's why we're doing this Discover More thing. We wanted to let you know that this is out there because God has called us to this, and we need to be involved in that. I can tell you this. We are really rethinking how we're going to do this. We don't even know for sure. Our initial plan was exactly like it is here. We're going to do it exactly like it is down there. Now we know we are not going to do it exactly. We aren't going to have all the bells and whistles. It's going to be much simpler. It's going to be more grassroots. It's going to be like it was when we started here, which was so awesome, so fun. And they're pumped about that. So we're going to be able to do it for a lot less money. And we're very excited about that as well. But can I also remind you that Discover More is not just for the South because as soon as we're done with that, what if this guy coming is supposed to be the guy that we're supposed to launch out to plant? Come on, man. I just want to go, yes, we can do this because we have the resources. Because our church sat before God and said, what do you want me to do with the money that you gave me? And we gave it so that we could give it so that more people could find out about Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're, we might plant. We're, we're going north. How many of you live like north, like around there? Okay, more of you. Good. Someday. We'll be with you. In West, Park City. Any Park Cityites out there? Okay, three of you. 
four, five. Do I hear six? We're going. We're going to be making that happen, all right? We need people. We have finances. We can always use more. The third thing we need is a place. And this is where it gets interesting. Look at this graphic up here. This is where we're looking for the south. Um, State Street, Redwood, between 900 South and 123rd. Right in that area. If you guys are driving around there, you know somebody who lives there, keep your eyes peeled. Do as everything you can. We, we just believe. You know what's so cool? We don't have time. To, the story of how we ended up in this little rinky-dinky red warehouse is a God story. It's a part of our great story is how God provided this building. And we know if he's called the South, he also has a place for us to go. And so pray, would you please be praying with us that God will lead us to that place. It could be portable. It could be 24-7. We just need the right size and the right parking. And I can tell you this right now, you guys. What's the timing on this? We have the people. I think we're pretty close on the resource. We could, we could get started. I think if God all of a sudden gives us a place, we pull the trigger, baby, and we start rolling. Our dream is that it would start this fall. That's our dream. Now, we have learned to take our hands off the wheel and let God actually, you know, Jesus be the head of the church type of thing. And so we are following him, but I want you to know we are going full bore on this campus, even in the midst of this financial situation. The church doesn't stop mission. It doesn't stop mission. Now, you have to be wise, and you have to really think through it, and we're working so tightly with our boards on that, but we are going for it. All right, so what do we know? What do we know? What do we know? God has revealed himself to us. And he's a God who loves the world. So much that he would die for every person out there who doesn't give a rip about him. He will always love first. What else do we know? We know that when we receive Christ into our heart, we get the Holy Spirit. And once you receive the Spirit, you get his love. And his love compels us. And all of a sudden we find out that just as Jesus was sent by the Father, he is sending us. You're on mission. If you're a follower of Christ, that you cannot walk out these doors and think that you can still live for yourself. He died for you. So that would never happen again. We know. What we know is that we're to live for him and that he lives for people. And so the question is, will we go? Go, therefore. Somebody, if you're sitting here again as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's because somebody heard the call from God to go, and they went. And you got to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So the question is, will you go wherever he sends you? Do you guys remember our anniversary service? Oh, hundreds of some in tears, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Some of you sitting right there came down forward in front of God and many witnesses and you said, here am I, send me. I just want to encourage you again to remember that God has sent Christ and Christ has sent us because he loves the world. K2, the church exists because a bunch of corny people in Michigan were asked by God to go. It's the only reason this place exists because we were sent here. We know that. 
And guess what? He's sending some of us again. And it's going to be an amazing thing. It's why K2 South will exist. Will you stand with me? Let's stand together. Band, come on up. Right here, right now, probably got about 15 minutes left in this service. And this is what we call worship, right? This is when we sing. And can I just tell you, the reason we sing is because God gave us this amazing gift of music that somehow helps all the stuff that's in our head to actually get to our heart. That's why we sing. Because it helps it to be real to our soul so that we can express back to God what's in here. And that's what we really want to give you a chance to do is worship Him. But to think about your heart and to be honest with Him. And for some of you in this room, you just need to tell Him again today. You need to confess to Him today. I have so been living for me. I've called myself a Christ follower and I've been living for me. And you need to confess that to your Lord and your Savior because it's not acceptable. And then you need to turn, which means to repent, and you walk out of these doors and you say, I will go. I'll go. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'll do anything that you ask me to do. You know what's so cool? Why we take offering too as well? I don't know. Well, first we do it because God told us to, but I think the reason that God instituted the offering of finances into the church because Jesus said, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And see, so if your treasure never goes to him, he kind of knows that your heart really doesn't either. And that's why we take the offering because in moments like this, it's a chance for you to say, all of me is yours. All of me. I will go, I will give, I live not for me, I live for you who died for me and who rose again. So we'll take our offering. If you're visiting, you are free not to take, we're just glad you're here. You are free to respond however you want, because we're not about your money, Jesus is about your heart for the church, all right? Let's worship him. God, would you right now, by your power of your Holy Spirit, Strengthen us to worship you with all of our heart. Give us your grace even now to get our hearts to the point where we will go and we will do whatever you ask us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.